Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Okay, there it is. We are live. We're streaming. We're buzzing. We're reading. Man, I'm excited for today's guest. Um, really cool topics, really cool area of expertise. He's an entrepreneur, a journalist, a content wizard. He's been a staff reporter, an editor, and then um, coming from the journalism side to actually working with companies and being chief of content and really helping them figure these things out. He has a special mix. He likes to combine journalism and data and design, right? So you've got that metrics. It looks good and it reports what needs to be shared. So I can't wait to dive into this. CEO of Message Lab, Ben Worthen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So this is really cool. We're going to talk messaging. We're going to talk content, um, really help everyone get their message out. But first, I need to pass you this thing. It's heavy, but I know you work out. So here you go. Ugh. Okay. All right. Can you grab that? You got it? There right. we go. Yeah. One-handed. Okay. Late. Ladies and gentlemen, he grabbed it. Thor's hammer. One-handed. I think it was even like a, a backhand right there. You must play tennis. Take Thor's hammer. Smash for me some kind of marketing myth bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all. Yeah. So the thing that, that I want to talk about here, and, and it's near and dear to my heart, and it's been the thing that's guided my career. Um, but that this idea that the best way to sell your product is to talk about your product. And it's the thing that, uh, I mean, like our lives are filled with this. If you think about every billboard you've ever seen, if you think about 90% of the ads that are on TV when watching TV was a thing, um, it, is, it is people telling you to drink Coke. It is people trying telling you to buy now. Um, you know, it is saying 10% off this product or here's why our product is so amazing. So it's like our lives are inundated with this. And, and the thing that I feel as a, you know, sample size of one, um, but, but I kind of feel this is broadly relatable is that, you know, like we have just learned to not pay attention. You know, you, you don't really look at the billboards when you're driving down the road. Uh, you don't like if you, again, not that anybody watches TV anymore, but if you were like the commercials, when you get up and you go to the bathroom or you get a snack, you know? Um, right. And, and we are, and we are sort of taking every bit of behavior that we have where you check your phone or something, right? And we're basically saying, I want to pay attention to something else. This isn't valuable to me. This isn't relevant to me. And now uh, that's not to say that information about products is never good and it's never useful. Um, when I want to buy something, if someone is telling me about a product that's relevant to what I want to buy, uh, then yeah, that's great. But for me, that's like 5% of my life. And yet it's 95% of the stuff that I'm asked to pay attention to. So, you know, the thing that I would encourage anyone who is in marketing or trying sales or, or some such is like, like talk about something else. Don't, don't, don't talk about your product, yeah. you know, and, 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 and talk about, um, you know, like what is the thing that someone's going to care about during that other 90% of their life when they aren't in a buying mode. And, 
and I would say that usually they care about other things. And 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 by the way, you know, if if you think of a one-to-one sales motion, you know, I think really good salespeople are just so intuitive at this. They they sort of figure out really fast, you know, whether you're someone who is about to buy or you're not about to buy. And if you're not about to buy, they sort of have a different mode that they can go into, you know, where maybe they talk about your family. Maybe they just ask about, you know, your business, you know, and what are the challenges that you're facing, you know, and things like that. And then they don't, and they're not trying to then say like, oh, it just so happens that our widget is going to solve all your problems. They're, they, they have a conversation with you and they focus on building a relationship in marketing, you know, so that's, that's a one-to-one, you know, and there's sort of this ability for, you know, Hey, Casey has everything going to, to sort of figure it out. In marketing, though, it's like, we just like, oh, you know what? That's too hard. We're not going to do that. Let's just spray and pray. Let's just talk about our product. And like, eventually, if we cast a wide enough net, somebody out there is going to be like really interested in a 10% off coupon. Um, and, and then especially as we move into digital, there's like a, re- a reward-based feedback cycle here where it's like, oh my God, someone clicked on our 10% off coupon. So like the strategy right. is awesome, right? And it's like, um, no, I mean, like, you know, people are going to click on anything, you know, someone will, you know? Um, and and so, you know, it's just, there's, I mean, I think I can go on and on here, but I feel like the reason why people don't, talk about the things that people are interested in. I mean, that's what I would, that's what we would encourage is like figure out what your audience cares about, you know, and, and figure out what are the problems that they have or what are the issues that they're facing or what are they most interested in and try to have a conversation with them about that, you know, make something that they want to pay attention to, you know, tell a story that they're going to find interesting, Um, you know, do something that, you know, sort of demands their attention that makes them want to give their attention as opposed to, you know, requiring their attention as they're waiting for their program to come back or if they're scrolling through the rest of the thing that they're trying to see. Um, that's what we would say, you know, we would say, try to, try to, try to think about those 90% moments instead of the 10% moment when someone's ready to buy. Yeah. It's so interesting when you mentioned the whole, uh, there's, by the way, this is fantastic. There's so much, I usually fill up uh, two pages of notes by the end. I'm almost done the first one and we (laughs) just got started, but there's so much to talk about here. The idea that when you go to buy something, it really isn't that often. I mean, I don't, maybe some people buy a lot, a lot, but you and I, it sounds like, I mean, I tend to want to avoid it for the most part Yeah. when it is time where I really been thinking about that thing yeah, I mean, I, I just bought a tent the other day for doing some backpacking, and I thought, okay, I, I've been thinking about this for a while. I've researched it for a while, but then I f- I found a couple, found one, and I'm looking at reviews, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, and some people are like, yeah, you know, the zipper sucks, and then it's like yeah. I'm out, you know, okay, I don't want that. So I do a little bit of that, but then it's time to make the decision, move on, and then don't try to sell to me after that or before that, right? There's a certain time and place for that. That was only maybe five percent. The rest of it, tell me. To your point, tell me a story. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's an amazing example. Um, I mean, it's perfect, right? Because if yeah. you think about it, like a tent is. I mean, it's not a car. You know, right. not, I assume you didn't spend twenty thousand dollars on your tent, but it's no, like it's, it like it's still bucks. like, but it's but it's still, but it's it's a, it's the kind of purchase that, like, you know, you want to do, you want to make it an educated 
purchase, right? You don't just want to go off and buy like, like, you know, you're not going to be like, you're not going to like impulse buy the first tent that you see. Right. Right. Um, And, but it, but, but more so, I mean, if you think about your life and what you're trying to do, like how often do you think about being outdoors or, or, or camping or backpacking or hiking compared to when you think about, you know, wanting to buy a tent, you know, mm-hmm. that universe of moments when you care about, you know, oh man, I want to, I want to get outdoors more. I want to, I want to be able to spend the night under the stars, you know, I mean, that, that's a much broader and frankly, more meaningful, you know, set of thoughts, you know, and it's, and it's yeah. more human-based, right? Like if you think about like, you know, I sometimes will say like customers are people too. And, yeah. and we have a tendency when we're in the conference room to forget about that. And, you know, they become these personas, you know, uh-huh. these, these sort of like these, these, um, these buying machines that we give a uh, backpack boy, like these like cheesy names too. Right. And it's like, you know, backpack boy gets up at 7am every day and makes a cup of coffee. You know, he right. browses the web between three to four hours a day on his new iPhone. Like, and it's like, that's not the way people behave. And that's not the way people think like real people are like, you know, I'm at work, but I'm just sitting there and I'm like fantasizing about this trip that I just, my buddies and I talked about taking over the summer, you know, where we're going to go, you know, we're going to go canoeing. We're going to go do the Moose River loop up in Maine or something like that. Right. Nice. And yeah. it's like, you know, and, and that's what you're thinking about. And, 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 and if I'm a maker of a tent, I have broad permission to engage with you across all of that. You know, it's like, like, why did I make a tent? I made a tent because presumably I have some specialized knowledge about what it takes to have the best possible experience outdoors, right? I know everything from um, like ease of setup and the kind of, and the the weight, you know, all of those things, the materials that are going to best protect you from mosquitoes or the rain or whatever the heck it is, you know? And it's like, you know, and presumably we have tested our tent you know, on countless backpacking trips and the people who probably started the tent company are probably, probably did so because they loved hiking. Right. Right. So, so like, what if we just talked to you about the steps that you cared about? You know, what if, what if we made it clear to you why, you know, we made a tent and why we made this tent. And like, and if you just think about it, like, you know, like, you're going to go like, you're, you're going to, how many times, how often are you going to buy a tent? You probably bought your tent. You're not going to buy another one for another five to 10 years, probably. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, but again, you could have been subscribing to my social feed, you know, you could have been reading my blog, you know, you could have been, you know, seeing my email newsletter with like awesome stories and photographs of cool hikes that you and your buddies could take on your trip, you know? And in every single one of those moments is an opportunity to build and curate and foster a relationship for you with you, just like that awesome sales guy does um, on a one-on-one basis. And then when you're ready to buy a tent, you know, you, you, you have a relationship with us and who are you going to buy from? You know, you're all, you're not, not necessarily going to buy from us. Maybe it might be too expensive or the zipper might be broken, like you said, but like, you know, you're always more likely people are more likely to try to buy from people they have a relationship with. Yeah. I into I think there was probably a period of time about a, I don't know, six months, almost a year, probably gets to winter. I'm not going to buy it now. I'm starting to get into spring. I'm going to buy it. So there's a, there was a period of time I could have been captured uh, <laughs> at any point. Um, and 
And then you're buying based on the story and how it makes you feel and what comes with that. You know, it's almost the difference between looking at a, these are some you know, B2C examples, but I think it, it's, it's graspable, right? If you can yeah. grasp the concept and in, in my mind, there's a jacket, right? Wearing either like a fleece that I have on now, or I see some of those puffy jackets that we're just finally being able to put away, hopefully soon. <laughs> and, and they're, they're almost like the jackets, the jackets, the jacket, but throw a North Face logo on there, right? Or throw a Patagonia label. And it's a different kind of jacket or a different kind of fleece. It's the same material, probably. Maybe it's sewn a little bit nicer, but it's just a little bit different to it because you know that there's a story on Patagonia. And yeah, it stands for something, right? Yeah, it stands for something. There's you know, there's a whole story behind it. And then you recognize it when you see other people and you think, oh, I give them credit when I see that logo on them. Maybe I want that too, mm -hmm. you know? And then it, then you have that conversation. Of, and I've got plenty of jackets like that that have no label. It was some yeah. store brand or whatnot. And, and it keeps me warm, right? But it just feels a little different. And I've, I've sort of recognized that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And then like, even if you just go from the point of view of that company that sold you the tent, like, you know, in theory, you know, there's, and this is what, this is where this stuff gets hard, right? Like what yeah. is the, what is the business model that allows you to do all of that content? But the business model is probably not like selling one $100 tent every 10 years. The business model is probably like, well, we make other products too, or um, you bought the tent at REI or wherever it is, you know, and you've got that, you know, and, and there's countless things that you could buy you know, at that store. So, uh, you know, I mean, uh, all of this is, you know, we, we go out and we talk to people and we ask them, we've done this a hundred times, more than that even really. And just asking people, what, like, what do you want? You know, like when you're, when you're just going around and you're just trying to fill your time and, you know, in the things that we hear, and again, this is in that there's a, there's a tier of purchase that we're talking about here, which is, you know, sort of maybe the tent up, if you will, where it's like a thoughtful purchase, not an impulse buy, you know, right. you don't, you're not super thoughtful about a pack of chewing gum. Um, but, you know, but when you're, but you want to know how people like you solved a problem or how it dealt with something that you can relate to, you yeah. know, and then, and people want to know information that can help them make better decisions. Um, those are, those are always like one and two, what we hear from everybody we've talked to. And frankly, it took us a long time to figure this out. It was kind of like one of those dumb moments where it's like, we would go out and we'd begin every engagement we do for every client by saying like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go off and we're going to find 10 people who sort of resemble your customers. And we don't want you to give us like your 10 reference customers because those people are going to be, <laughs> you know, they drank the Kool-Aid already, right? Don't yeah. give us those people. We're just going to go off and we're going to find people, you know, because like we're reporters, right? And yeah. Um, oh yeah, no, awesome, right? And then, um, you know, and we go out and we'd find like, you know, 10 small business owners or 10 Airbnb hosts or um, 10 VPs of engineering at 100 person web-based companies, you know, or like whatever it is. And we would just find people and we talk to them. And, and you know, and I, I guess I already gave away the punchline here, but like, everybody didn't really matter who you were, you know, everybody said that the number one thing they wanted was just like, how does someone like me solve a problem that I can relate to? And then how can I like, and then like information that can help me make better decisions. And, you know, nobody said, um, nobody said, I want information about products, you know, again, they always will at some point, but it's never the thing that people are sort of outwardly looking for when they're trying to figure out how do I blank, 
you know? Um, mm -hmm. And, um, or, you know, no one is, no one is ever flipping around social, like looking for an advertisement, <laughs> right? <laughs> everybody's, right. you yeah. know, everybody's just looking for something cool and inspiring. Yeah, um, I just, I just doom yeah. scroll to try to find the ads, you know, I'm just yeah, totally, exactly. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. you know like, thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. Oh, cool. Tempers off. Click. <laughs> right. <laughs> said no one ever <laughs> yeah um and, and you know but it took us a surprising long time to to sort of to realize that it didn't matter who we were talking to that everybody said the same thing and you know one of the cool things about being in the content business the way we've been and fortunately we have is that there's like every so often we stumble upon something that we just conclude is like true about people and you know and this idea of what it is that people are looking for when they're looking for something, um, you know, that's, that's, that's what, that's what they're looking for. It doesn't matter who you are. Right. Right. It, it's not, and I guess to say it's eventually it's about the product, but if you lead in with that, all you're doing is commoditizing it. You're making it a choice between this weight and that weight and things almost beyond your control or almost a race to the bottom. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you could, you could just do that. I mean, plenty of, products get anonymously made, but then now you're competing with like store brand cereal, you know, and it's yeah, and, and a tough and, direction. And that's, and that's probably the reductive answer. And and I think what the way that we would sort of frame it sort of probably more positively is that like, you know, if all you're doing is talking about your product, you're missing 80%, 90%, 70% depends on what you believe, but you're you're missing some huge number of possibility of, of opportunities to have a meaningful interaction with someone, you know, you're going to be relevant to them in that moment when they're looking for a product, when they type into Google, um, best tense. Right. But, um, and you can show up there and you can do a lot of, and, and you should, by the way, you know, this isn't an argument about doing that. <laughs> you know, you should do that. Um, right. but, um, but what you're missing is every other opportunity to show up when they are thinking about the world in which you operate, you know, um, hikes, camping trips, you know, um, or, and, and, and even things that aren't looking for them, but when you have an opportunity to show up for them, you know, I mean, there's, there's like people that can be active consumers of information at some point when you're, when you're like, you know, again, Google is example one, but you're, you're saying, Hey, I am looking for information about this topic, whether it's a product or an idea or, you can just be sitting there and something finds you, you know, something that your friend sent you or something that's in your social feed. And, you know, what are we doing to inspire people to, you know, to, to, to click in that moment? Um, you know, so yeah, so that's what we think. We think that, that you're just, that, that you, that there's value in having those moments. And by the way, we see this in data, we can get to that later on, but hmm. like, you know, like we can substantiate that, like it is true that people who engage with your ideas uh, are more likely to become customers of your product at some later point. Interact with your ideas. Tell me more yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, so, so we have this metaphor that we found really helpful, which is the metaphor of an idea store. And the idea being, or the concept being that, you know, everybody knows what their product is and, and you have a sense of what your product store is. You know, your product store is, you know, when you walk in and you see a bunch of tents, you know, on the rack yeah, or other totally. 
things, right? With a bunch but of like, hanging things. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we've all been we've all size. been to that yeah, store, yeah, totally. right? Yeah, it's kind of a fun store to be at. But then you know, but if you had to build a store next door, um, it's a thought experiment, right? That was your idea store, where where the shelves are stocked with the things you care about and the things that you believe and the things that you think are interesting. What would you put there? Yeah, and yeah, like like in my yeah. mind, I'm I'm setting up a whole campsite. You know, where like, I want you to lay down. I want you to feel it, sit in the camp chair. Totally. Turn on the jet boil. What are the, and what are the, and what are the, and and, and that's the same sort of question. Everybody has a pretty good sense of what kind of customer experience they want for their product store. But, but if you had that idea store next door, you know, what's the kind of a customer experience that you want for, for people there? Like, how do you make people come back? How do you make people repeat customers of your ideas? you know, sort of that thing. And then, and then what we're sort of imagining is, is that, you know, what we believe, and again, I think we can substantiate this, is that the people who become repeat customers of your ideas will eventually, they come back to the idea store, they, they engage with something else. You know, they come back to the idea store, they engage with something else. Eventually they're going to notice that there's like a hole in the wall, you know, <laughs> you know like a door cut out. Huh. And that like, what's on the other side there? Like, oh yeah, that's where we keep all our tents. You know, and those, and those, you know, and, and at some point, you know, some people, some, some people are going to be like, oh, that's interesting. Then they walk over there and check out the tent store, you know, and, um, and, 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 you know, and this is, this is, again, this is what we see. What we see is that, you know, as is, for example, one of our clients, we, we did this analysis where, um, you know, people who had consumed the content were four times more likely to become a qualified sales lead um, than people who hadn't. Uh, we also found that if you'd, if you'd seen one piece of content once, right, just merely clicked on a piece of content, there's a less than 1% chance that you were gonna go on to become a, a qualified lead. By the time you'd been to our content three times, however, there was a 9% chance that you're gonna become a qualified lead. And if you'd been four times, it was 10% and five times 11. It was like, it was crazy linear actually in this particular case study. Uh, and, you know, and, and it's like, you know, and so for us, that's sort of, that's the, you know, metaphorically we're saying, okay, yeah, you were, you, you were interested in our ideas. You were interested in the things that we care about. Um, you, you've successfully became a repeat customer of our idea store. And then, yeah, you know, some 10, 15, 20% of those people went next door and bought the product, you know? Um, and that's what, and that's what, and that's sort of the world that we're trying to encourage our clients to think about. I love this. Love this. I got a little lost, um, (laughs) the idea store versus product store, but that's probably me. I need to drink more Red Bull. No, I mean, I appreciate the but, pushback. But I can try to, I can try to take it more mental out. or like, can you describe to me your idea store? Yeah. So I think our idea store is, um, well, our product store. So I, I don't want to go too down the product hole, but like, you know, we do content marketing services for people. Right. Okay. And if you go to our product store, you can buy articles and analytics and design and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, if you go into our idea store though, a lot of it's kind of like this conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. what you would see in there is, um, a articles, let's just say, right. Or videos, whatever it is, podcasts, content about, um, you know, what are, what are some of the, you know, what are some of the beneficial impacts of journalism on marketing? Um, what are, what is the value that you can get by, talking about an idea store, you know, like these gotcha. aren't things that are designed to, 
you know, they represent our worldview. They're the, they're the things that we care about. And they're the things that, you know, moving forward to our clients or customers, like, you know, the best customers and clients that we have are the ones who believe what we believe. And then the product works hard for them. You know, similarly, like, you know, if you just bought the tent and then it stays in your garage and you never go camping, like, yeah, you know, the, the tent company got a hundred bucks, but like, you're not really a great customer, you know, Um, the best customer is going to be someone who cares deeply about the next camping trip and is inspired by nature and being outdoors, you know, and, 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 and that the idea store for that tent company you know, I imagine the things that I'd stock the shelves with are like, you know, just like photos of awesome places that you can go, you know, or, or, um, or, or people talking about their experience, um, their experiences on particular hikes or particular trips, you know, or, or, um, things that, you know, they didn't think to pack, but they, but they packed or, um, different people's takes on like, you know, novel approaches to low impact camping, you know, that are sort of not necessarily like a how to do low impact camping, or maybe even a how to do low impact camping, you know, um, you know, things like that, you know, and, and again, are you going to, are you going to read a cool, like 10 ways to lessen your environmental impact on your next camping trip? Are you going to, are you going to get to the bottom of that and like click buy now on a tent? Like most likely not, (laughs) you know? Um, But, you know, but you could read that and you might say like, oh yeah, I'll subscribe to your email newsletter. Mm -hmm. Or you might be, or you might read it and be like, that was cool. I'm going to do one of these things. You know, yeah. and that's a huge win. Like that's a huge win for that 10 company because they just had a really meaningful interaction with you. You know, you read something, you had an idea, you were inspired. And the next time you go out, you know, you're going to, I don't know what you're going to do. You know, you're, you're going to engage in one of these behaviors that you wouldn't have before, you know, it's a huge, huge win. Um, and, and the question then becomes, and this is sort of a, 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 a rabbit hole topic, but like, how do you give yourself credit? for that win if you're the if you're in that idea store you know if you, you know if you're the if you're the clerk at the idea store right because no one gave you money they just yeah. told you how, they just, you, they just you told you like that was a really cool that. article yeah yeah, yeah attribution be a nightmare potentially but maybe not maybe not uh yeah this is really helpful so i think for me bubbling it down to something as simple as a tent has been helpful because then after that i want to like we're talking about now i want to bubble it back up to like some enterprise software sale, yeah. right? But at, at a, a small level as even a tent, um, the idea store, I had originally said like, well, I'd create a little diorama or something of like coolness happening and that's cool, but the tent's there. And yeah. then, then your sort of correction on that was like, have that random hole. You know, and I, I know we're talking, we're talking more like as a metaphor, but I love this picture, yeah. the actual physical store and we're not going to have tents in that front room. We're going to put them all behind in the other room, right? Through that yeah. hole that you were talking about. Through the hole all the, the tents over there, maybe your awesome scenes can be set up there. But in that front room, the difference is now I'm getting it. Like you're saying, we're going to have the photos of where you can go on the wall. We're going to have uh, you know, these old campers with long gray beards telling stories about yeah. their favorite trip. Maybe people are sitting around a campfire and we're all talking about our next adventure. Right. And so it had nothing to do with the tent. 
that right. that was in the other room. And and is that is that a critical ingredient separating out the product? Yeah, I think a completely so. different room. Can it be in the room at all, or is it like? Yeah, it can. I mean, look, there's there. This is not like this isn't black and white. You know, um, I, I would say but you're the experts. You it, tell me. No, I, <laughs> I'll, I I'll do anything. But but I think you know. I mean, I think I think the, I think everybody knows when they're being sold to. Yeah. And in the trick, in the thing that I think hurts is when, and we've all had this experience as as as, as readers or consumers of content, where like you've got this cool story and you've watched like the first 10 seconds and you're like, this is awesome. And then they're like, and none of this would have been possible without our, you know, 360 automatic, you know, <laughs> widget Ronco maker, you know, the Ronco you know, maker. You're, you're just like, yeah. oh my God, I'm being sold to this is terrible. Or like in the article, you know, where it's like, you know, you're, you start reading around about some like, you know, how Casey did this. And then it's like, it's like, and like his trip wouldn't have been possible without his new tent, you know? And it's like, right. and you're like, no, of course it could have been. He could have had any tent on the trip. Like, anything. tell me about the sunrise that he saw, you know? And so, um, you know, it's like, I, I, I think, I think the trick is to make sure that you're, you're really indexed towards, towards providing value to the person who's going to consume the content, you know, and first and foremost, you're asking yourself the question is like, you know, are they going to care about this? Is this going to, is this, is this, are we doing something that's going to be the most valuable thing that we can do for them as opposed so to not us. just the entertainment, but the, totally. the value. Yeah. Well, in value in entertainment is a form of value. Right. And sure. so, and so, and if, and if it's going to be, this is going to make you laugh. Like that's value. Um, if it's this is going to teach you something you didn't know, that's value. I mean, it's going to vary per thing, but I think the the thing to get away from is like me as the maker of the tent or the maker of enterprise software, whatever I am. Like, is this valuable to me? This is an advertisement, you know. Like, am I am I going to try to sell you my software, you know, in the middle of this article? Um, because like I've captured your attention for the first 15 seconds and now, you know, yeah, you're in, now you're going to get sold to, because I think uh, my belief is that that's going to backfire that, that, that it's almost, it's like the worst possible outcome because, you know, when you're being advertised to and sold to, you know, and like sometimes, you know, you're willing to let that happen, you know, um, it's when it's the bait and switch mm -hmm. that feels like, oh, it's a little dirty. You know what I mean? Right. It, uh, it doesn't feel good when you think you're getting something that is valuable to you and you get partway through and you realize it's meant to be valuable to the person who's enticing you to watch it. It's a great, great point about value in, in this mental front room of the, the idea store is that it needs to be, it's not just an, an extra room paying lip service, the whole thing, it has to benefit them in some way. And I also liked how you said, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be the education. It could be, it could be edutainment, but it also, if it just makes them laugh, that's value. So, but some kind of value at the front room, um, yeah. tying into something bigger. And then, yes, of course, over here, we have plenty of tents and other things for you to, to yeah. connect with. And so to bubble that up to like some large SaaS software, you know, it, I mean, what changes? Does anything change in those examples, or is it the still the idea store and the and the product store? No, I think the concept is really the same. And in fact, we work for a lot more people who sell software than we do who sell tents. You know, right? right. <laughs> and right. Um, and we'd love to. Hey, if you're out there and you sell tents, give us a call. We'd love to work with you. But, Hell yeah! You know, same here. Um, 
but uh, but no, I mean, I think it's, it's the same idea. The, the problem's a little bit different, you know, and uh, you're not necessarily thinking about, you know, where am I going on my next hike and my next camping trip? It's a more B2B problem that you're trying to solve. But But if you think about the mind of the person, you know, I don't think there's anyone like, um, few, few people think about problems that they're facing in the workplace as narrowly as a piece of software. You know, usually a problem is complex and multifaceted and it involves process and it involves people and relationships and communication, uh, and it involves behavior change. And, and if I'm thinking about how do I, um, I don't know, improve the productivity of my team, you know, having a uh, time tracking software probably helps, but you know, if we're not, it's not going to solve the problem in and of itself, you know, and you can yeah. sell me time tracking software, uh, you know, if I, if my, if my problem is productivity, but like, you know, a lot more people are thinking about how do I increase productivity than think about like, man, if only I was able to track the time of my team, you know? Yeah. And, and so when we work with a software company, I think it's the same sort of thing. The other thing actually that we see in a more B2B context, especially so, is that um, especially when you start moving into more uh, bigger transactions, there are people involved in the decision-making process who aren't the ones who are either the people who are gonna implement the software if it's software, you know, like sometimes there's an IT guy who's going to be the one who actually has to like make the code work, but the people who are going to be impacted by the decision or the people who are going to write the check, you know, uh, or the people who want to see some sort of outcome, um, you know, that the software is going to enable is a much broader set of cat you know, uh, set of people and, and oftentimes more senior and they just care about different things. Right. So, you know, that that's in our mind, you know, when we're working with a B2B software company as an example, like it's all about outcomes, you know, mm. let's talk about, let's talk about the challenges that you can help alleviate today, but also like if, if there was a world in which everybody fully embraced, not just your software, but the processes that it enables and the sort of, and, and the worldview that it represents, like, what does that world look like for your customer? You know, let's talk about that. And then, and then once we have that, you know, then we have a whole, a whole catalog of things that we can talk about, you know, because, you know, because, because again, now you're talking about new ways of doing business, you know, I mean, everybody these days is talking about how do you use software to, to help drive, you know, digital transformation, finger quotes, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, but what does that really mean? You know, right. can you think about like, you know, it's, it's going to mean something totally different to, to everybody. Um, but it, but it but it probably represents like you know new ways of using data, you know that or or new ways of like new products or product lines or 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 areas of opportunity, different kinds of customer experiences that you might be able to enable. Like talking about those things, the vision for what's possible, it's usually a lot more engaging to people and more inspiring to people than being like, you know our. Our data processes at three megabits per second, and you know, it's, it's yeah, just exactly. more people are going to care more of the time. So it's the same dynamic. It's the same dynamic. You know, it's like help me be a better leader of my organization. You know, help me bring about the change that my company feels compelled. You know, help me make my team more productive. You know, and then like yeah, I'll buy your time tracking software. 
but talk to me about motivational techniques too. Talk to me about um, the communication that other people like me have found help their team manage their own time better because it doesn't matter if I'm tracking your time if you're like sitting there doing you know video games all day long you know or if you or if you are someone who can't mentally keep track of activities you know tracking your time is going to just be garbage in garbage out you know so how do I as a leader as a manager talk to you about you know sort of more effective schedule management you know that kind of thing you know. Um, so all of those are types of things that I think that company, this, we just made up a company that missed time tracking software, by the way, but like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right. <laughs> um, but like, if, but if I'm that company, those are all things that, that there is, you know, that's, that's the idea store, you know, those are things that I have an opportunity to engage people about. And then what are the benefits of a more productive team? I mean, they're probably obvious, but you could still talk about them and, and get people excited about the kind of change you might make possible. So true doesn't matter what, you know, the, the tent, the software, the SaaS, as you're describing that, you know, some of the things that jumped out is that we actually have a little bit more time to build a relationship because man, that tent thing, I had, I had a window, <laughs> I went for it, but there, there's a little bit longer of a sales or a lot longer of a sales cycle when it comes to some larger purchase, that much more consideration goes into it, more yeah. stakeholders, like you're saying. So you have more of a chance to, to talk to people about your idea store you know, they don't, it's not like, you know, five seconds. Okay. I'm give me the product store. Let's go. It's like, no, actually I, I'd like to hang out here and learn about the, the full picture. And I think one of the things you said really st stood out to me now I'm trying to wrestle with how to approach it. And I think you can help me with this. The idea that few people think of the problems they're facing. And again, you said, number one, solve problems. Number two, make better decisions. Been very few people think that the problem they're facing has like a single answer, which is like this software solution, mm -hmm. but man, the software sell it like that, right? Don't they sell it as like, yes, this is dramatically complex problem. All you need is this widget, right? But oh, it's totally. almost disingenuous, and, and, right? And the name of it, more. and we even call that solution selling, right? It's like, Got you it. know, I mean, that's even, that's like, you know, I think like since the seventies or something like that, that's been the way that a lot of these B2B companies go to market. Like, you know, here's a solution. Oh, what's the solution? It's our product, you know? Right. <laughs> um, right. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think, and, and again, to be clear, there is a point in the sales cycle where you're going to sell your product. And there's a point in the sales cycle where you're going to have uh, many, especially like, you know, like let's, let's pretend for a second that like it's in a million dollar piece of software, right? Which is like totally not uncommon for like a large company to buy oh, yeah. from, a, from a software world, right? Um, and, you know, so if we're going to, so if you're going to sell a million dollars worth of software, like people are going to be looking at that closely. And you're going to have a lot of conversations about the oh, product yeah. itself, right? But before that, you know, like, you know, like you're not going to like, get someone on Facebook with a 5% off coupon, you know, and it's like, are you interested in buying a million dollars worth of software? Click now and buy it with your credit card for 5% off, right? You know, or, yeah. or even in the world of content marketing, where it's like, you know, five tips for a more productive organization, you know, like no one in their right mind is going to like read that article and then like click the buy now for a million dollars worth of software button right. at the bottom of an article, right? Like, I had that happen once. Yeah. It, they actually offered me an <laughs> iPad if I could get the, the deal through by like Friday, it's like, and I was actually mad because there's no way in hell I was, 
I mean, there's like eight people that are involved. This is not happening by Friday. Yeah, you know? right. It, totally. I mean, it's just like, it's like, you know, because people are people, you know, yeah. like, you know, people, people aren't like robo link clicking sheep, you know, right. um, and they, and they think about, again, just to go back to the thing that you were drilling down on, you know, the problems, the, 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 the world, the problem that exists for them. You know, it's a problem in culture. It's a problem in business. It's a problem in the world. It's something that they're grappling with. It's their job. Like it's like literally the entirety of their job. And, and it's big, I'm using fingers here, but like, let's just say it's like a whole pie, right? Um, you know, someone who made, I'm just gonna keep going with time tracking for a minute, but someone yeah, who yeah. made time tracking software, right? Probably saw the same problem. They probably were like, oh, you know what? Companies are struggling to there's there's all this demand in this highly digital world to make you know people more productive and um and companies are struggling with ways to make their people more productive one way we can help them is by making the software that does you know blankety blank helps them track, track their time right it's a narrower it's 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 one way of tackling that problem but it's not the only way right you know like there's, there's probably a non-software way that you can make your team more productive, you know? And in, even if you, as we were going back in this hypothetical example, even if you perfectly install the software, you know, it, people aren't necessarily going to behave differently just because now there's software, right? It's only when you do other things, you know, alongside that software that people are going to behave differently. So, so in our world, you know, the world of content, the world of relationship building, the world of an idea store. The thing that we want to talk about is like, let's use our pie example, you know, um, productivity, big pie, mm -hmm. software that helps you track time, piece of pie, right? Let's, let's have all of the existing sales collateral, all the existing sales training, all the existing sales material, talk about the piece of the pie that represents the product. But let's recognize that you know, the problem that our client faces is a pie problem. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, yeah. This is the first time I've used this metaphor, by the way. No, it's good. Like, I like it. You know, um, you know, and, and like, what are the other slices of pie that we can talk about, you know, so that we are in the conversations more relating to people when we're sort of approaching or engaging our customers in a way that has empathy, right. And that shows that we care about the same things that they do. And that we understand the problems that they face in their job and that we want to help them beyond just like our narrow piece of software pie. You know, like what are the other pie pieces that we can do to talk about this world of productivity? Yeah, um, it, it demonstrates yeah. that you actually want to help them solve the problem. Yeah, and you know, and you know what their problem is too. And like, you know, and, and like, you know, I'm much more likely to buy productivity software or time tracking software from someone who understands, who can demonstrate to me that they understand the problem that I'm dealing with mm -hmm. than someone who is, you know, who, who doesn't necessarily. So I personally, I run a services business, right? And, um, and we have people who are now remote since COVID, you know, and all of that. So like productivity for us probably looks a little bit different than productivity at a warehouse, sure. you know? And, um, and, but in both cases, you know, you want people to clock in and clock out. You know, you want to know how people yeah. are spending their time, right? But but the but the but the mechanism that we need to do is like, for instance, we want people to collaborate better on you know design elements, you know, and and the Amazon warehouse may want people to you know 
pluck products off the warehouse shelf faster. You know, we have a different understanding of what increasing productivity means. And like, and if you come to me and like, and I think you're from that Amazon warehouse world, I'm not gonna be like, oh, you know what? I don't think you're gonna be right for our, you know, collaboration driven design firm. No, no. Um, wow. So there, there, uh, this is like just wrapped in a bow, you know, like it just, <laughs> and, and the pie, I mean, who doesn't want a whole pie? Now I get it. Yeah. We, we can't eat a whole pie, but the fact that you're offering that shows you want, you want real results to happen. And, and it, yeah, you care about the same yeah, thing that your customers care about, it. about, right? Yeah. You know, and that, and that you, and that you, and, and, and this is, I'm taking a logical leap forward, but like your version of success is the same as their version of success. Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm selling you software and you come back to me and you're like, Hey, look, our productivity hasn't increased. And I'm like, well, you installed our software perfectly. That's all we do. Like, I'm not a great partner, you know? <laughs> right. Um, whereas, you know, or to go back to the tent store for a minute, if like, let's just say you went to REI and you bought your tent there. Right. And you're like, Hey, man, I did actually. Right. Oh, there you go. So there like, you know, you walk in and you're like, you know, the tent was great, but like, I didn't love my camping trip, you know, and they, yeah. you know, they're going to, they're not going to, they're not, if they're doing, if they're, if they, if they care about the same thing you care about, they're not going to be like, yeah, but like, you know what, we sold you the tent, you know, they're, they're going to hopefully look at it and be like, okay, well, let's think about like, why didn't you have that experience? You're like, oh, you know, it turns out you want to go kayaking. You don't want to go hiking or, um, or it's like, you know, it, the food sucked. Oh, have you check out this new thing that we have about like transporting freeze dried food or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, it, it's, I mean, I grant I'm, I'm going back in the product world, but at least you have a, you know, a definition of success for your customer. That's broader than did they buy the product? Right. It's like, did they get it? It's outcome driven, you know? Yeah. And you know, what's I, I kind of remember I got lost earlier because there's so much here, but the time tracking thing, you taking it into even reality. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I have completely experienced that, time tracking SaaS vendors are all doing product stores, right? And, and, and it's not easy to figure out what's the right strategy or anything. And yes, I'm, you know, at different co companies and different enterprises, I'm trying to track efficiency. Maybe it's for billing. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just so we have a good common checklist. Maybe it's not. And how many people have I talked to? I don't know if you saw, I've cycled through the Mondays, the Jira's, the, all the different, you know, and, and I haven't quite, it's almost like whichever one I'm on, I'm just sort of happen to be on that tool, but I haven't quite found the tool and no one has, has, they've sort of talked a little bit about helping you out. I've had a consultant from one of them hop on the call with us for half an hour. That's cool. Um, but no one has really kind of stepped up and said, here's the idea store for, managing projects and time and, and you know, like i haven't felt yeah, no, that totally yet. i mean and, and, and right and this is like what you said right like your goal is to manage your projects better right and and the thing that you want is to have better managed projects yeah tracking time it's kind of a means to an end you right. know and uh, because because if you successfully track time <laughs> but the project is horribly mismanaged, you know, that's right. not, that's not a good outcome. Right. And, and, and if these people who are selling you the software that helps you track time, you know, there's a huge opportunity for them to expand their relationship with you. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, by talking about the things you care about, better managing projects. And, right. and, and, and by the way, like, you know, any of those companies you just mentioned have thousands of customers, right? And, yeah. and, and, and those customers have probably, some of them somewhere have probably successfully managed a project before, yeah. you know? And, 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 you know, and, and this is going back to that thing we were talking about, like, what is it that people want to hear about? Like, honestly, like you don't want to necessarily hear about some sales reps, you know, or content marketing managers point of view on how to five tips for best managing projects. And by the way, too, like, I don't know, how long have you been in the services business? Like a long time, right? Yeah. You're pretty good at it. You know, if you saw an article that was like five tips for better managing projects, you know, and it was like 400 words long, you'd be like, whatever. I know 20 times more than this anyway. Yeah. Right? And I know exactly what that little shard of an article is. It's just a bunch of SEO garbage. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Garbage. But like, so, so, you know, I mean, this is, this is one of those really interesting things that we see is that the more people know, the more unique they believe their circumstances are. The more experience you have, the less applicable that sort of broad five tips type content is. It plays mm. great on SEO and it plays great for people who literally don't know anything about the subject matter, but the time, but by the time you start talking to people who consider themselves experts or have some degree of expertise, it sort of becomes insultingly vague. And, um, but what's really interesting is that, um, you know, if you and I were to sit here, because we both, you know, have experience in the services business, and we were just having a conversation about um, how, like, what are the characteristics of the projects that we have successfully, our best run projects, you know, like, I, I might not say anything that you don't know. And by the way, I also might not share anything with you that couldn't also be um, positioned as five tips for better managing projects. But what I'd be telling you about is like, oh yeah, you know, we did this, we we had this one client that challenged us to do X, Y, Z. And we thought about the way that we were doing things. We had been doing this thing and that thing and this other thing. Instead, we tried something totally different. And, and, and it might be something you've already done too, but, but your reaction would be like, oh yeah, I can relate to that. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's this thing where um, when people are hearing the hearing it from a peer, when they're hearing about somebody else's lived experience, um, it, it people are willing to do the work to attract to extract the relevant lesson. You know, you're willing to you're willing to to put in the effort to figure out how it helps you, how it reinforces what you're thinking, how it changes what you're thinking. Uh, and in a way where if you just did the five tips, you know, that's it. even if it's, even if, again, the substance is being delivered, it's kind of the same It's the packaging of it. You know, you're hearing from your peer uh, versus, you know, that 23 year old web manager who did, you know, 30 minutes of Googling. I'm glad you called it out. I, I, the idea of speaking to experts I don't think we give that enough thought in our content creation. I think too often we're creating for the lowest common denominator because it's easy content or because the expert's not the one writing it, you know? And I think sometimes that's the problem is, well, how do I get the information out of the expert? Cause they don't have the time to then, or they're not going to write it usually because they're too busy for that. So, you know, I found podcasting to be a great way to extract information from experts and then, um, the team can help support repurposing that content. Mm-hmm. At least one way of doing it. But you're right. We got to stop relying on all this early stage, lightweight, fluffy lead capture type content, because 
even to your point you mentioned earlier, great, they consumed one piece of content. They're like less than 1% of a chance to be, you know, conversion. Yeah. We want them to consume all of our content, to be hungry for it. Three pieces, four pieces, five pieces, like you were talking about. Now we're now we're talking. So instead of trying to program for that one piece of content, what are the four? You know, what's the path to take them down to get them to that four or five percent? So that now you know maybe we're really working with something here, you know? Yeah. And I mean, this podcast, not to get all meta here, but it's a good example, you know? Yeah. Or, it's good. Or, meta. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, but know. not Facebook. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I just mean, you know, meta, meta, meta metaphysical. Original here, definition. You know, the, um, you know, but, but this is a, you know, we're having a conversation here. We're covering a lot of ground. We're kind of going back and forth a bit. Uh, the best version of this podcast and the best version of our listener is someone who's going to be, sitting there and they're going to be nodding their head, you know, and they're going to be like, yeah, no, this makes sense. This is, this is, this is something that I've been thinking about too, or something that I've been experiencing too. You know, I've been, I've been frustrated by the fact that it feels like we're only talking to people in a sales mode and we're not talking to them in an idea mode. Yeah. That kind of clicks for me. Right. Um, but, but, but this podcast is not, um, Step one, like how to, how to more, it is not how to five steps for more effectively engaging your customers. You know, it's not that, you know, it's, uh, it could, be. Is, it could be, yeah. Totally. Those five steps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we probably should, we may have missed an opportunity, but like, you know, but, but, you know, the person who is going to translate this conversation into action is going to be doing some work. Yeah. Right. We're not, we're not spoon feeding them. This is what is the right thing for you and your business. We're, we're giving them something to think about. And, and again, that best listener is going to be thinking about it and, and coming up with some ideas on their own. They're going to do the work. hundred percent. Oftentimes I've been with some groups where instead of telling people what they need to do, you tell them the story. And to your point, you let them make the call of what was the lesson. I think sometimes we're too quick to try to tell them what the lesson is. We want them to get. Yeah. If you notice from even some fairy tales, they don't, necessarily tell you what the lesson is they're like here's this story you know as quirky or as normal as it is what'd you get from that oh don't do business with the wicked witch or yes do this or mm-hmm. don't eat strange apples like you know like whatever the case is it, let them make the call and and i i've i've been sitting in rooms where people do this where i tell a story and if, if i'm good about it i'll make sure i'm not trying to like angle it in the direction i want them to learn oh, please go this way because this is what your business needs no no i just put the story out there and then sometimes i'll get the feedback back of what they heard from everyone's stories and you're like oh you know what that's actually it's something you hadn't even thought of and they they, they came up with it because they heard your story and you didn't try to pitch them a direction mm-hmm. yeah and you know and, and we've all been there where we said to somebody just tell me what to do you know yeah um but usually it's someone who you trust yep you know, usually, yeah. usually don't go up to a, a stranger and, and just be like, Hey, can you tell me what to do? I've got yes. this, you know, and usually uh, it's a last resort too. When you get to that, what should I do? You've pr- mentally, maybe you haven't done it physically, but you've mentally already thought through all the things and none of them sound yeah. like great outcomes. So you're kind of like FML, uh, this is, this is unwinnable. And then you're like, what should I do? Yeah, um, totally. Totally. Yeah. Usually you try, you try to think through something yourself. You've done your research, you've talked to people and yeah. so forth. Right. Yeah, totally. Well, this is crazy. Well, I, we were talking earlier. I wanted to throw this one question at you, you know, a little bit separate from what we've been yeah. talking through, but just the idea of what places you like to learn from. So are there some books you've been reading? 
um, fiction, nonfiction, just ones that have been inspiring you. And then also any podcast that, that, uh, that you want to shout out? Yeah. So, I mean, just from a book standpoint, I'll answer this one at a category level, but I, I tend to find that the things that I gravitate most to are big, ponderously long biographies. And, uh, and there's a reason, uh, this is probably more revealing about me, but, but it's related to this conversation. Like, I want to know how people made decisions, you know, and, and how they, and how they affect change and how they relate to other people. And, you know, and, and yeah, you know, the people who people write biographies of tend to be famous people, you mm-hmm. know, Martin Luther King, you know, uh, Lyndon Johnson, you know, whoever it is. Right. But the other thing is that these people are always so different and their styles are so different. And, and I'm constantly struck by how the way they process information, the way they relate to people is, is different. And it's like, you know, you just have to, you know, and there's lessons that you can learn from everybody. Um, so do you find they're different from us or different from each other or both? Oh, totally different from one another, you know, um, you know, just even going back to, you know, reading about, um, Abraham Lincoln, you know, and, and, and his style versus say, you know, Winston Churchill's style or, or Teddy Roosevelt's style, you know, it's like, it's just so vastly different. And yet, you know, if you look at these people, these are sort of iconic figures in history who, you know, even with a revisionist in, in, in fairly critical lens, you know, had to handle complex events that were happening in the world and, and, and navigate around them and sort of get people to act in a singular way, you know, and, 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 but there's just totally, there's just a lot of different styles with which you can do that. There's no one. You know, um, there, yes, a podcast There's one that I listened to recently that I found really exciting. Like I forwarded it to all my colleagues and forced them to listen to it as well. And Ezra Klein hosts a podcast for the New York times called Ezra Klein show. And there's one where he recently talked to a philosophy professor who focused on gaming and, um, and, and I thought this, the thing that was fascinating about it to me was really almost distilled in this one anecdote that the professor gave where he was saying he teaches an ethics class and um and he's like you know and the the reason that students might take my ethics class it varies i i have a student this is undergraduate ethics right um one kid wants to go on to become a doctor and and why that kid and what that kid can best get out of an ethics class is totally different from the kid who wants to be a lawyer or or the one who wants to be a writer you know i could work with that kid who wants to be a writer on how do you sharpen the argument in your essay or I could work with, you know, the kid who wants to go to become a doctor and how do you make complex decisions? You know, how do you, mm. how do you weigh, you know, pros and cons when there's no clear right answer. Um, but what he does is he gives everybody like a three, three or a three, four, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and it's this like totally reductive thing that doesn't distinguish between, you know, what someone's goals are and what someone's objectives are and so forth. But as he says, it's sort of, you know, you can't apply to law school with a two-page essay from your undergraduate ethics professor, right? You need to have the more reductive GPA 4.0, 3.0, whatever it is, so they can, so that the people who are having to deal with more information are able to make a decision, sort of, right. you, know, you know, weighing apples to apples, right? And, yeah. and what's interesting, and, and why I brought this up and why this resonated so much is, you know, we've just had this really... I hope, I hope interesting conversation about an idea store 
you know, and this whole notion of like, don't sell your products, you know, talk about stuff people care about and in, in, in trying to get people to think about success, not as did you sell something, but did you engage someone, you know, and in order to do that, um, you have to have a different system of value than what we're used to. You know, we're used to uh, clicks through the product, right? We're used to um, sales, you know, like, you know, people, those, those, that, that, that colleague of yours who is leading that Facebook coupon campaign is able to go in and say, Hey, we spent a million dollars on Facebook ads and we generated $2 million worth of revenue. Um, and, and does that mean that it was the best use of a million dollars? No, but, but it means you can demonstrate, uh, you know, and so how do we, you know, we can't as content makers, we can't go in, even if you agree with, the theory that we've been talking about for the last hour, if even if it resonates with you, you can't go into a meeting. And, and when and when your colleague is saying we spent a million dollars and we generated two million dollars, you can't go in and be like, we made stuff that we really like. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. you know, you're gonna get laughed out of the boardroom, right? Yeah. And so so how do you then how do you then show the value of something that's not designed to sell? You know, like the outcome that you're trying to achieve is engaging people and and, and creating value with them. How do you, um, how do you then go into that meeting and say like, oh, here's, here's the business value. Here are the outcomes for our company that our efforts generated. And, you know, this is something that we've been trying to deal with at, at Message Lab. Um, so sorry, a little bit of a plug here, but, but more in the, more in the spirit of talking through the problem. Right. Um, you know, we have our own system. It's complex. It's more complex, you know, because you're talking about indirect measures you're talking about what happens over time breaking time and space not did they click buy now at the bottom of the blog post but did as we were talking about before you know people who've come three times did they like within 90 days of that third visit do something you know Mm -hmm. um you know but but i think what what we have had to try to challenge ourselves to do with some success and then also honestly some roadblocks just because organizations are complex beasts um, is to try to, you know, not give our, our clients a two page, you know, (laughs) report from their ethics professor. Um, but instead to try to figure out how do you take this, this, this other world, this value-based idea-based world and translate it into something that is more like a GPA. I think you you are, you have filled this whole thing with quotes and poster poster words and sound bites uh really power but i think not in a weird way but in like a powerful way like reduced down uh, concentrated words into a specific sentence and one of the ones that stood out to me was the you know not did you sell something but did you engage someone knowing yes that of course we need to down the line show something you know follow it all the way through if we can Mm-hmm. But at the very beginning, though, it's that engagement more so than, you know, are we selling B2C? Are we selling $100 tents? Or is this a long-term relationship that we're trying to foster right. for a million dollars? And I think that's been really powerful. Um, I wanted to shift a little bit in, and ask you this other question because I have literally been learning from you for, for an hour plus, And I'm just it's so good. Who are you? Ben, <laughs> how do you know all these things? Can you take me back in time, like little Ben days? Did you know you were you always like journalist kid and and 
in discovering all these things and data? Did you know you're going to be a entrepreneur and a thought leader and all that? No, I mean, the entrepreneurial one is really funny because like it was the last thing that I wanted to do. Um, I will, I'm going to, I'm going to gloss over the little kid years. Um, but you know, when I got out of college, I had no idea. What wait, I wait, wait, you're going to gloss over it. Well, I don't know. Do you want to hear about my, my, my little Ben? Yeah. Little Ben, <laughs> um, where did little Ben grow up? I grew up outside of Boston and, okay. um, and then I North, South, East, West. I grew up in Newton, which is like one of the, like the first ring of Western suburbs outside of sure, Boston. Okay. And, um, and you can say, cause I can't say Newton. I can only say Newton, like slurry Newton the W and right. T. Exactly. Like fig, I mean, it's not a fake Newton, right? No. Like Newton. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. And in fact, when I was in ninth grade, it was the 100 year anniversary of fig Newtons, which is <laughs> really named after the town that I grew up in. And they had a giant festival at city hall where they had trucks full of fig Newtons and they were just like throwing them off. And then they got yeah. Newton to come and do a concert. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yes, exactly. It was like, I don't know. It was like the biggest day in the history of the town. <laughs> right. No, it's it probably take another hundred years to get the next one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I mean, you know, I went, I went to school and, and I didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do professionally. I, you know, I started to like writing, I guess is the thing that I would say. And as I became more curious about writing, um, or reading, I guess I would say I, I became more interested in writing. Um, kind of lucked my way into a journalism job. It was the dot-com boom. And I was able to find a technology publication that was like 300 pages every other week and they just desperately needed anyone. And so they were willing to take a chance on me. Um, and, you know, and the bubble burst, but I was sort of fortunate enough to have learned enough that, you know, the combination of being like the cheapest person on the staff and not being terrible, let me keep my job. Right. Um, right. And yeah. yeah and, and, um, you know, and I eventually just kind of realized that it was something that I liked to do and, and things kind of clicked for me, you know, around that point. So I, I ended up making it to the Wall Street Journal. Um, that's what moved me wow. to California and um, was covering the tech industry out there, out here where I still live. And, you know, did that did that for a long time. And, and, and I would say the formative lesson for me there um, throughout journalism, but at the Wall Street Journal especially, is that like there's such an emphasis on why does anybody care? Um, really? And, you know, in the currency of why a story is interesting is like, why now? Why does anybody care? And, and if you can't answer that question, you don't get to write the article, you know, you don't get to, yeah, and, 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 and in contrast to, you know, it's, it's not a question that marketers necessarily ask themselves all that much, you know? Why not? Um, you know, you ask yourself, what do we want to say if you're in marketing? It's a more traditional question. And um, when I left journalism, you know, I think the thing that I took with me, and it hasn't left, is that notion of like, you know, how do we, how do we make people you know, our job is to make someone care, to so engage someone to go back to the word we were talking about before, right? And so now it's working with our clients to run what they're trying to say through that filter of what do people care about. Um, and and, it, and it, it's and it's when you do that, you know, that you can still do all the things that are super important. I mean, I, I, will, I will confess, I, I left journalism a little reluctantly, you know, um, mm -hmm. And, and like, I had never heard the term content marketing, you know, and, <laughs> right. um, 
And someone explained to me what it was. And I was like, oh yeah, I think I could do that. Yeah. And, 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 and as you might imagine, like there was just like a world of rigor when it came to marketing that I had no appreciation for whatsoever. You know, the, the discipline, the, the ability, not just to think structurally about communication, but also, um, the, the organizational dynamics, you know, getting people on board with a brand message is not like Casey or Ben being like, hey, let's talk about X. You know, it's like yeah. you have to have a whole team aligned around something, you know? Um, and that was not something as a newspaper reporter, man, I was just like, here's my story. Bang, 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 bang. Okay, publish it, you know? On to the next um, one. Yeah. Yeah, right. Totally. And so, um, so I had an opportunity to sort of learn some of that marketing discipline and to, to learn some of that stuff um, while beginning that exercise of, you know, taking the thing that our clients were trying to say and, and running through that filter of what does anybody care about. Now, I, the next formative part of that, I'll say, was something that the second part of or the last part of our conversation was touching on, which is I had this experience where I was making some really cool stuff. I liked it. Clients loved it, you know, and we put mm-hmm. it on the web and then like nothing would happen, <laughs> you know? Um, right. And, 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 and what was worse to me was not so much that, you know, my mom would be the only person who saw this thing that I spent four months working <laughs> on, but like, um, but then no one seemed to care. And, you know, and, and, and if you think about, the prevailing wins in marketing. It's all been about data. You know, it's all been about growth and, and measurability. And like, you know, like 10 years ago, companies would hire a growth hacker and now they have growth departments, you know? And, um, and so, the, so, so, you know, and there was this notion that just to go back to the thing we were talking about, um, this idea that oh, well, engagement, you know, you can't really measure that. This kind of content, you know, you can't, it's not, its job isn't to contribute to sales. This is doing mm-hmm. something else. And I, and I just had this thought, like, you know, this is better. Like engaging people around stuff that they care about. Like this isn't the 10% stuff. This should be the 90% stuff. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to do like one cool thing and then 90% of stuff that people are going to like purposefully not pay attention to. You want to have right. that other you know, you want it to be like 90% of the stuff that you do is awesome, that you get people to choose to engage with and choose yeah. to spend their time with. And then 10% of it is going to be that stuff that like, you know, yeah, okay, you're already in, you know, you want to learn more. Let's, let's, let's take you into the product world, you know, and uh, like specs about tense, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, like, like, like 10% of the time people are going to really want it you know, and you yeah. have to have it as hugely valuable, but like, you shouldn't be leading with it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, Plus, don't lead with, you know, the weight of it or how yeah. the zippers are, but at some point right. totally. I want to know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, but like, you know, but it, but it just felt that if any, if all you thought it was that this other stuff, that's cool that people like, you know, can't be measured or can't be quantified or can't, you can't go into a board meeting and have slides that talk about the impact of that work other than mm-hmm. things like brand awareness or um, reach or these, these sort of like vague nebulous metrics that aren't competitive with, you know, we spent a million dollars and we generated two, you know, you're never going to flip it from 10 to 90 to 90 to 10. 
you know, it's never going to happen. You know, you're going to get, you're going to get that, like, you're going to get the, like, yeah, we recognize the the necessary evil of doing some cool stuff, but like, it's not core. So, um, so the thought when with message lab was like, how can we bridge that world? Like, just because mm. it's hard, doesn't mean that it's impossible. Right. right. <laughs> and, um, and can we develop this underlying system of measurement? Can we develop this underlying system of value of, of, of sort of, studying the way people engage with content in a way that's meaningful right um and then translate that and connect it to the outcomes that matter to our clients so that we can show up in the board meeting and we can say um you know 22 percent of your leads have previously engaged with the content those people convert at 4x the rate of people who haven't you know engaged with your content you know things like that it's not quite the same as you know hey we spent two million on you know, Facebook ads, we generated 4 million, but you're yeah, in but it's the important. conversation, yeah. you know, you're in that conversation, you know, and you're beginning to speak that same language that people care about and building the business case for making stuff that people care about, you know, and if right. we're going to, cause that's what you need, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to engage people around things that they, you know, and change that, you know, um, you got to be able to show that it's the right thing to do. You can't just believe that it's the right thing to do. You know, it, it sounds like what you've created is you've created what you would have, maybe you already created it there too, but someone, when you were running content in Sequoia, like you're like, you're making all, you're with a bunch of guys they are doing numbers and gals. Okay. What's our ROI? What's yeah, our return? No, I mean, it, I think you're right. It's the you same lens. Fact. You're trying to say, well, I'm the head of content. You're paying me, but I, I'm worth it. Trust me. Yeah. And, and the irony is, as I said, I didn't really want to be an entrepreneur, Um I tried to get jobs, you know, at, a, at some like big prominent companies where people would hire me to, to do what I'm talking about. And no one would, you know, no one had, no one had, um, you know, this, this worldview of, of, of not just making the great content, but being able to demonstrate its impact and, and the virtuous yeah. cycle that comes from testing and learning where you see how people engage with it and then you optimize it. And each piece of content is an experiment, you know, um, or, or eventually to get to a world where you can use what you know about people in a totally non-scary intrusive way, but like give them things that like, you know, can we make a, a good faith prediction based on your past behavior and engagement about, are you ready to see the 10 specs? You know, right. yeah, here are the 10 specs. No, here's another cool article about a place you might want to go camping, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and no one was really thinking that broadly about content. So no one, no one either had a job that was that broad or no one wanted to hire me. So finally, I was like, all right, I guess I just got to start a company. Sometimes that's what it, that's what it takes. I, mean, I can relate to that, but it's just, you, you create, and then you understand your customer because you were them and you felt that pain. Yeah. And, and you're trying to trying to address that. That that's really powerful. Who you know? Before I get to the who, um, yeah. cool lens that your company helps other groups figure out through the lens of why now, taking all that Wall Street Journal, all that journalism superpowers, and, and helping frame the message so that not only is it attractive to people reading it, but we're we're putting the right stuff out there. Um, really cool. And then my question related to that was. Who are the ideal customers for Message Lab? Um, if you've made it this far in the conversation and anything that we've been talking about hasn't resonated with you, then you're probably one of our ideal customers. Nice, <laughs> nice. If you're not if like, you this guy's full of shit. If you're not, if you're not sticking <laughs> around for this part of the podcast, you're probably not. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, it's, it's I, think, I think we want someone who has a degree of ambition, 
um, we want someone who sort of thinks that, you know, we talk about programs, not assets, meaning if like all you do is, is write an article or make a video, um, you're not really going to get great results. Um, but if you take a sort of a programmatic mindset or a program where you realize that it's the collective impact of a lot of things, but also the work you do to measure its impact, to get it in front of people, to try new things and to, you know, in, in that, that's what success requires. And so if you're someone who shares that point of view, um, and, and, and again, you know, sometimes it takes, and I say ambition because like, it ain't easy. You know, because sometimes what you're talking about is getting people in an organization who aren't used to thinking one way and trying to give them something to think a different way. Um, and that's always hard. And it's not something, and it's something that we can be a partner to you on, but we ultimately aren't in control. You know, mm-hmm. um, if your analytics team is only going to measure something one way and we're trying to convince you that you need to measure it a different way or an additional, a different way you know, we can't, we can go in and we can go into your analytics system and we can, you know, in 30 seconds, make whatever changes we need to make, right? But we can't win that cultural battle of, are you going to work nicely with your analytics team? Just as an example. Right, right. But a hell of a start to connecting content to analytics and justifying it. Yeah. So I can imagine that, you know, other person who's head of content, you're, you're going to be their best friend. You're going to be, you know, riding shotgun, keeping yeah, them watching their yeah. back. Yeah. And, or content team, if they have one or they're just getting, st- yeah, it definitely sounds like uh, they want to reach out to you before I get to some of the contact details. One final question, a mm-hmm. uh, bit of a hypothetical because I may or may not have a time machine <laughs> and it's actually in the back under a tarp. And so you come visit, we get some lobster, we get some beer, and then you use the time machine uh, it t- it's particular though. It takes you back in time to meet yourself, like early twenties, just got out of school. Maybe you graduated four days ago. You get yeah. to meet that version of Ben. What kind of things would you tell yourself? Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how things have turned out the present. And so I'd be a little concerned about messing with the space-time continuum here. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, the flash screws up all the time. Exactly. You know, um, but like if if that wasn't a concern, you know, I think I would just say um, I'd encourage myself to be more entrepreneurial at an earlier age. Um, You know, and I think about the time in which Ben, who you just described was coming onto the scene, you know, it was like, 99, 2000, 2001 in that time period. And like the world was changing in some pretty profound ways, especially with regards to how people consumed media. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like, like, you know, I, I was trying so hard to get a job with a publication. Right. And it never occurred to me to like start a blog, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, and it just wasn't something like that. Like that was like a whole path and avenue of thought that just like, like it was there, you know. And um, and it never occurred to me. And and I don't know if it was because the technology was too new or if because I was risk averse. Um, but I think I think especially at like that impressionable right out of college age, like take some chances, you know. Yeah. Because um, like honestly, the worst thing that happens is you fail. And, um, and, and, and I think I've been, you know, like I, as, as I've gotten older, I, I have learned to love and embrace failure. And if I'm not failing 
oh, I don't know, 10 times a day, you know, I'm not trying hard enough, you know, and now I have to manage the stakes of those failures and I have to react to them and I have to, you know, try to learn the right lessons and take the right subsequent actions. And hopefully those failures are small and not profound, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that's sort of the mindset that I have now that I wish younger Ben had too. Totally. I mean, failing can hurt, you know, which is probably good to help help us learn that lesson painfully enough yeah. so that we don't repeat it. But at the same time, that that pain is nothing on the level of that regret of having not done something or that, you know, you look back, you're like, I, oh, man, I could have, what would have happened? Like, you have no idea. Oh, totally. And like, you know, and honestly, the, you know, at a, at a big scale, like I've got kids now, you yeah. know, mortgage, you know, the stakes of failure are a little <laughs> bit higher than like, yeah you know, when I had like a crappy apartment with a bunch of roommates and I was eating ramen every night, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. That That's a perfect time. Hey, yeah, shoot totally. from the hip, go for it. Exactly. I'm a little bit more considerate now, but still, but even now, you know, thinking, okay, what can I do now to, uh, yeah. to stay on the edge there? This is great. Ben, how do people connect with you? How do they reach you personally? How do we, you know, what social sites are great? What are some URLs for message lab? Yeah, uh, so, Anything so you, you got going on? Throw find it the at company us. at messagelab.com. Okay. Um, if you type message lab into Google, we'll be the first thing that shows up as well. So you can find us that way. And then um, if you go to LinkedIn, just type in my name, Ben Worthen, you know, I'll be the first person who pops up there too. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. And don't be a weirdo. Put in the message. You heard the podcast episode. You loved it. You, you can't wait to hear more of Casey and have Ben come back. And it, we, maybe at some point we have to come chat again and, and just get into like, I have a data show, you know, we'll both drink awesome. some coffee and red, but we'll just, we'll just talk data the whole time because I, I know we scratched the surface, which was important. Yeah, I could, and I can um, take you for another 90 minutes there. I promise. Yeah. hundred percent. So let's, let's plan on doing that in, you know, in a little bit, we'll circle back around and this will be, it'll be the companion. You have to go what, listen to this one first. And, and get a, get a start, you know, start your idea store and then we'll, we'll fill it full of data afterward. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thanks cool, so man. Much for I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on here. I, I literally have learned a ton and I'm not even kidding. And that's what I love doing about podcasts. Like I, I have two pages <laughs> of notes. I'm not even kidding. Right. I'm holding up like running out of space. So I got to like draw the margins and everything. Uh, but this is a thank you again for being on here. Yeah. Happy to do it. And, you know, for those listening, if you learned even a percent of what I've got on these notes over here, and I know you did, the, even the idea of the idea store, right? If there's a few things we can boil it down to, the idea store, solve a problem, help people make better decisions. So many good things in here. The example, the tent store, the time tracking store. If you learned anything, share this. That's thought leadership. Literally, the person listening to this right now can then hit share or, or, or write what you learned too. If you have a particular takeaway, put that in there, share it out, be a thought leader. And again, Ben, thank you so much for being on here. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, everyone. This has been another exciting episode of leadership and marketing all combined into the hardcore marketing show. We will see you all next time. 